Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. The affordable housing issue is not a new phenomenon. Less than a generation ago, we would use terms like Section 8 homes, the projects, or low-income housing. I'm Chris William, and welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. Seen each and every week across the Carolinas for 28 years now. Thank you for supporting this dialogue. Affordable housing shows up as one of the most talked about issues in communities and troubling issues. Not because there are more families that may qualify for poverty level. That may be so, but because affordable housing is becoming more mainstream. Harder and harder even for middle class to make rent. Basic questions would be, of course, why? What does it take now to afford a home? Is what your parents called subsidized housing fair? Or is this issue much more conventional now? In a moment, a panel of leaders from across our region who seem to be meeting this issue head on. Stay with us. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Charlotte Mayor Phi Lyles, Mayor Stephen K. Benjamin of Columbia, South Carolina, Bricka Eklund of the Self-Help Credit Union, and Michael Marsicano of the Foundation for the Carolinas. Welcome again to our program, uh, gentlemen, ladies. Thank you for being here. Um, Mayor, Mayor Lyles, let's start with you. You know this issue, uh, we, we use the term affordable housing so easily and we throw it around, but uh, d does this need to be defined? Do we all need to have the same definition and what is the definition? You know, the federal government has a definition and it'll say no more than 30% of your income should be dedicated to the availability of living um, rental or ownership. But I think with the change in the culture of our country where people are flocking to the urban areas, we've got to look at it differently. The way I describe it is that if you're working in Charlotte, you ought to be able to afford to live in Charlotte. And I say that because we have public employees, teachers, firefighters, police officers, and that 30% isn't possible for them mm -hmm. in our community as we're growing and you see this increasing um, cost of housing and the value of living in an urban community. So what I say is that we need to have housing that allows people to live comfortably in a place. I want a diverse community. 
that means we have to look at everyone differently and say, what can we do best to provide them adequate, safe housing? So, Mayor Benjamin, different town, same issues, but I want to ask you the same question. As Mayor Lyles describes what affordable housing is for Charlotte or her definition, does it need to be standardized? Is it the same for you? Is there something else here that gets lost in translation if it's not? Sure, I appreciate uh, Mayor Lyles' um, characterization because it goes straight to the values question. Uh, are we a city for all people? Are we making sure that we're, that we're building cities, craftily building cities uh, that, that speak to that, that, that central question? If, if, you, if you can work in the city and help build the city, can you live in the city? And I think that ought to drive our discussion. The challenge is that old perceptions will uh, have folks uh, believe in that affordable housing is, is, is the, the, the image of Cabrini Green projects in, yeah. in, 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 in Chicago. And the reality is if you get around this city uh, in, in Charlotte or in, or in Columbia or in cities all across America right now and you see what uh, workforce housing looks like, uh, affordable housing looks like, with a, a, a fantastically executed 9% of 4% 4, 4 credit, uh, tax credit uh, project looks like, these are excellent homes. I mean, uh, thoughtful, mixed-use, mixed-income uh, uh, communities uh, that 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 I would love to live in. I mean, so it, it's it's it, the getting pa people past these these ideas as to what affordable housing means is um, is, is a major challenge. Uh, the reality is that all of our communities, all of our cities, are much richer, much more thoughtful. I don't think standardization is necessarily key because even within our city. You have, you have incredibly different communities in, in a city. The city's not, not a perfectly carved uh, box by a cartographer recognizing political differences across the country. We're natural living entities or organisms. And it's our job as, as civic leaders to try and make sure that, that, we, that we get very creative, we try to, try to strike thoughtful public-private partnerships, that we pull in philanthropy uh, when we can, and, and we create opportunities for people to live up to their full potential, and we can do that. Yeah, Michael. Chris, to give you a, a number that might um, help uh, folks uh, get a clearer picture, 79% uh, of the citizens in Mecklenburg County who earn $50,000 or less are spending more than 30% mm -hmm. on housing. That's cost burden. Mm -hmm. 79% under 50,000. Now, you, you put a face to that 50,000, and we are talking, as Mayor Lyle said, teachers, police persons, firemen and women. This is not just the poorest among us mm -hmm. that are struggling with housing. Is it a financing question? I think it definitely is, and I, I think that that goes so, in. And, and I'm sorry, Brooke, sure. is it a financing from, an, from a political institution, mm -hmm. or is it a personal financing uh, question? Well, I think that that depends on the, the diversity of the population that we're talking about that needs different types of housing. So extremely cost burdened individuals, individuals who are spending 50% or more of their income on housing, yeah. need different financial resources to help them stabilize their housing. Things like housing choice vouchers and project based rental assistance through housing authorities. That is a very federal and state and local public subsidy resource that is gonna help those individuals stay in affordable housing. When you start to talk about 60% area median income, folks in, in this city who are in Charlotte who are making $60,000, $70,000 as a household, there are more options within the private sector to help those individuals find housing. Mm -hmm. And the issues there more are around local zoning, philanthropic sources and others that can really come in and allow the private market the right to develop density, the right to develop townhomes and smaller scale houses that some, some zoning doesn't allow.
So, Mayor Benjamin, you talk about it from the Midlands and Columbia's point of view. Is it more acute in places like Florence, Aiken, Conway, et cetera, et cetera? Are those, so you have a certain issue in Columbia for sure, but does it, as you, as you get closer and closer to the rural communities, is it, is it harder? Or do you know? Well, well um, no, I spent a great deal of time. I just wrapped up my <laughs> tenure as president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, and I stay actively involved, speaking with my colleagues all across the country and certainly across uh, our great state often. The, the challenges that Mayor Lyles mentioned, uh, we're seeing this incredible um, urbanization uh, of, of, of our uh, communities. Uh, metropolitan economies now account for 85.5% of all people. 89% uh, of our um, of jobs and over 92% of GDP is now created in cities and metro areas. People are flocking in. It's creating some major issues, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and certainly uh, it creates a separate set of issues for rural communities. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to see, and, uh, and I see everywhere I go, and, and, and what we do as mayors is we, we find really great ideas that have been executed, and we, either, we steal them, and we yeah, scale them up, okay. we scale them down, <laughs> is a creativity that's happening on the local level to try and create opportunities for people uh, to, to, to live uh, well and live with dignity and, and uh, have shelter and, and give their children a chance to, to participate in the American uh, economic experiment. We've had some um, fantastic successes on, on the local level in Colombia uh, by working with our, our, our private sector. We decided um, um, several years back that we would take our, our community development block grant funding, sequester that funding for a couple of years and use it as a, as a second uh, mortgage working with uh, uh, six banks the banks provide 80% mm -hmm. of, of, of loans for folks who want to buy uh, their homes. We provide the second uh, 20%. We provide that uh, at, at, a, at, a, um, at a much lower interest rate, so the blended rate is good. Banks only loan, loaning 80%, so there's no PMI, uh, and we allow people to buy homes with a very, uh, very low um, down payment, as low as $500 mm -hmm. or $1,000, uh, up to $2,000. We now have a loan portfolio of over $125 million, uh, default rate less than 1%. Um, so, so, so the question, back to the question about finances. It's amazing what, what, what hardworking people can do with very little money if you, if you, if you give them an opportunity uh, to, to, to live well. Our folks are taking advantage of it. And, and that's just one example, literally, of hundreds uh, or, or thousands of programs all around the country that pull in private sector support, uh, philanthropic support, uh, public support, mm -hmm. and us using the, the levers that we have as public policymakers to create opportunities for, for, for um, hardworking Americans. So, you know, Chris, one of the yeah. things that Steve talks about is the um, ability to have autonomy at the local level. And I can't tell you how important it is. If we were going to work with the federal government. And I'm government, sorry, ma'am, you mean autonomy from the federal government's from the funding federal or state government funding? government funding because we compete with rural areas. The need for housing is evident across the entire state of North Carolina. So in Charlotte, we actually get two of maybe 10 applications that we might make every six months for federal funding. That's not enough to keep up with the urbanization mm -hmm. that's going on. So we need to figure out how to do this differently. And Michael and I started 18 months ago thinking about if we're gonna have economic mobility in Charlotte, if we're really gonna talk about this as a holistic problem of jobs, housing, and, and transportation, we've got to do something different. And we created a program around local bond funding, mm -hmm. philanthrop philanthropic um, gifts and donations, as well as the banking expertise that Steve is using in Columbia. We're bringing in our banks to do the same thing here in Charlotte. 
And as a result of that, we have about $100 million that we're working on right now to um, determine how do we actually make a difference in the ability to have an affordable place to live. And I say this all the time, if you think that this housing is a separate issue, it's not. You've got to consider, if your workers are two hours outside of work, how does that, what does that mean? You're going to build a road? Are you going to build a transit system for them to get into the city? It's an impact that, in, that focuses on where our jobs are and how people can manage a lifestyle. We often say, you know, people need to f be with their families. Well, a two-hour commute every day, mm -hmm. one way, four hours, sure, sure. and you can't complain about someone that says, well, I didn't have time to work for my kids on their homework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think a on a bus or a train mm -hmm. or in a car. Mm -hmm. This housing partnership that we have between philanthropy and uh, the city comes from the Leading on Opportunity report that our mm -hmm. citizens uh, put together uh, after 18 months of study on the economic That's opportunity right. and our mobility mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And just to make a point on transportation, uh, one of the major recommendations in that report was to move to a grid system uh, from a hub and spoke system, and that has already cut the commute mm -hmm. times for families 20 and 30 minutes by just moving the transportation system to a new. So it is a whole. It's it got to be a holistic uh, uh, approach to it. Uh, I want go ahead and finish your thought, and I want to come back to something sure. in financing with mm -hmm. you, Michael. Yeah, I'd just like to add in that 47% of the families that commute into Charlotte to work make $40,000 or less mm -hmm. per the census, U.S. Mm -hmm. Census Bureau. It's not just the, that groups of people are coming into our metropolitan areas to work, it's the income level of those individuals. And these are individuals that don't have as much income to spend on um, different types of housing closer to the city or the transportation and have even less disposable income for other things like healthcare and school supplies, et cetera. And so I think it's important for us to understand with that rural and urban connection, a lot of the individuals who are commuting into our urban areas are lower income and face mm -hmm. different housing burdens mm -hmm. than, right. than urban affordable housing problems. What, what, Michael, back to this, th thank you. Back, I'm not glossing over that brick of it. I wanna get back to this point. So Mayor Lyles, you talked about uh, the Foundation for the Carolinas mm -hmm. in the city. Uh, working together on the financing part of this. And Michael, my best guess at this point was in-kind, cash, commitments, and individual donations. Have you over 200 million committed to this idea right if now? If you add reduced lending into that, okay. absolutely. So all absolutely. of this in-kind, how it, much would it take to fix that problem across the board in a town like Charlotte? <laughs> Oh, we're talking way more the, we're than two hundred talk, billion. We're talking Billions. over a billion, absolutely. Right, right. absolutely. Uh, Mayor Benjamin, how do you? And you've been very eloquent about the the challenges in Colombia. How do you make sure that this doesn't become politically weaponized and and, and turn into some uh, uh, not just tit for tat, but then it turns into a partisan issue? How do you make mm -hmm. sure, given all of the things that you have to touch around financing, around poverty level, around transportation, that this debate about uh, defining affordable housing as it is in Colombia doesn't become politically weaponized? Um, well, uh, try not to weaponize anything politically. Uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what uh, we do, at least not mayors do. Uh, what we try to do uh, is try to look at this as being an essential piece of, of American infrastructure. I mean, all across this country, we have a, a, a great infrastructure deficit. Uh, depending on how you define it, I, I, I count housing in here. It's probably somewhere between two and two and three trillion dollar uh, uh, deficit. 
one key way to uh, aggressively address that, and, and, I, and I, I, I characterize it as an infrastructure discussion because it tends to be one unifying way to bring people on, on yeah, both. Um, there used to be two sides of the aisle, there are about 20 sides of the aisle now, but on all sides of the aisle uh, together. Uh, addressing America's infrastructure deficit and coming up with a, with a thoughtful um, um, Marshall Plan to, to try and address these needs all across our, our, our communities. That does require a significant partnership with the federal government. And, and, and it's so important uh, we say this. We talk about partnership. 75% of, of all infrastructure um, is, is, is financed by, by state and local governments, not by the federal government. Mm -hmm. in, in critical infrastructure like water, sewer, 98.5%. Uh, State and local governments, not by the federal government. The federal government has been has been um, MIA. MIA. When we talk about federal support, we're actually talking about repatriating our tax dollars mm -hmm. back home. So this this is not money falling like manna from heaven. Yeah. We want we want to see thoughtful, strategic investments from the federal government in making sure that Americans have a chance to participate in the 21st century uh, economy mm -hmm. without having to worry about the income volatility and the various challenges that families are facing right now. In, in the greatest and most powerful and wealthiest democratic nation in the history of the world, we can do we can do better. So I, I think you have to continue to speak back to your, your question in edifying terms and in ways that unify people and treat this as infrastructure and devote not only the financing schemes but also the funding to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Michael said something, Mayor Lyles, mm -hmm. about transportation makes a big impact in this area. Mm -hmm. If well, you, we'll use your town. Uh, if Charlotte gets a transportation plan that's salient, that's deployable, that everyone agrees on, and there are either more toll lanes or more toll roads, or there's a, there's, a, there's another ring around Charlotte and it's done well, how much would that go to alleviate affordable housing issues? Would it be a, a big hit, a big plus? It is a big plus. You think about any of us having a commute time and what it takes. And it's all down to when we talk about this American dream and what we're trying to get people to participate in, it is about work. So if we're going to provide opportunities for people to get to work in a reasonable amount of time and to get home in a reasonable amount of time, I think that's the American dream because that's the only way we can work to do these things. And if you're sitting in traffic, I think we, Steve and I would agree, if you're on I-77 between Columbia and Charlotte and you can't get home, it does make a difference. So yes, we need to look at other options for transportation. And I'm really fortunate, I think, that we're living in a time of technology and change where we can use technology to help model what works best. Is it bus rapid transit? Is it bus, um, you know, ways that are just really able to move through mm -hmm. the city well? Is it our fixed rail line? And is it the last mile drive that we use technology or maybe private companies to um, implement for us? So transportation is, I think, our next big challenge for economic mobility. If we're assigning priorities to the solution for affordable housing, the affordable housing challenge, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to answer this too. Mm -hmm. Michael, what is the biggest challenge? Is it zoning? Is it land use? Is it land acquisition? Is it developers dropping their cost? I mean, what would be the biggest thing that could drop uh, to help this issue? Well, first let me address what I think the headwinds are. Um, the cost of land is mm -hmm. skyrocketing. Mm -hmm and so too is the cost of construction. Mm -hmm. And when you add those two together, the ability for builders to build affordable housing 
that doesn't require rent or mortgage rates mm -hmm. yeah. um, has really compromised this issue. Uh, it's why the affordable housing crisis has increased, mm -hmm. particularly in mm -hmm. workforce uh, uh, development. I think the greatest challenge, though, is public will. Really? We have been fortunate in Charlotte that the public has voted in bonds going from 15 million to 50 million at a very high percentage. 69%. Six, I just want to say, I, I thank our voters every day for that. Right. Mm -hmm. But where that affordable housing is placed has a lot of backlash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we need to not concentrate affordable housing in certain parts of our community or any community in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. We need to have mixed income housing, as you have suggested, Mayor, across our community. And a lot of people have this notion, as you suggested up front in your preamble, that the projects there's a generation that sees affordable housing as something very different than it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, most affordable housing is well designed, mm -hmm. it's attractive looking, and yet there's this attitude that it, it, it is not uh, something you want in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And that's got to change. Mm -hmm. uh, Brecca, how do you sure. down on that? Yeah, I'm gonna actually add to a couple of Michaels because I actually think it isn't just one solution. This is a really complicated problem. Um, and I think t there's two additionals, uh, income, a lot of issues around housing are the, the wage stagnation. That's true. Um, wages yeah. have increased, but the housing prices, because of the, the items that Michael mentioned, housing prices are increasing faster, rents are increasing faster than wages. And it's just really difficult for, for anyone up, up until about middle income to, to keep up with that. Um, and then the other piece is the, the need for the local communities to do the type of innovative, um, uh, important bond financing that is happening in communities like Charlotte and in Durham. There will be a $95 million bond initiative, uh, thanks to Mayor Steve Shule and the mm -hmm. city council mm -hmm. in November. And specific that, to affordable housing? Specific to affordable housing, $95 million for affordable housing. And that does come from the public will that has really risen up in Durham in the last really just five years mm -hmm. um, in terms of really gaining traction uh, in the political realm. Do you, do you get the sense there's a public will for public finance around affordable housing in Columbia? Um, yes, I think around what we, ha what we have done locally, um, working with our county council, um, we passed some uh, uh, ordinances recently allow us to work together to sequester prospective tax revenues uh, to dump them into into mixed use um, uh, mixed use mixed use mixed income projects mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and we'll see some we've seen some success there we are seeing um, a, a much more robust use of the, of the four percent um, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, bond funding uh, through, through the state government. The impact uh, investing? Uh, that, uh, well, not, not, yes, so, which also I think one, one, one minor change would be actually changing the name of the low-income housing tax credit. <laughs> I think that gets people really wound up, and, and the reality is that, again, some of this housing is pretty doggone nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, so working much more closely on the local level with innovative tools, but certainly having the, the resources that, as, as the, the voters in, in, in Durham uh, will vote for and, and the voters in Charlotte have, would certainly um, make, make, some, make it a lot easier. And, and I don't know how uh, South Carolina works as far as the state relationship with the communities, but in North Carolina we also have headwinds with state law. Mm -hmm. um, just get, Let me give you just one Small example. The protective, the rent control type well, of? Well, lots of different things. And, and the one example I want to give you is actually um, on evictions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in North Carolina, if you have a threatened eviction, mm -hmm. but to do not get evicted, you get your act together and you pay your rent, that 
that, have, that eviction notice is on your record forever. That is state law. Mm -hmm. So when you go to get to the next apartment mm -hmm. you're going to try to lease, you have this record of having notice of eviction, even though you were never evicted. Mm -hmm. um, there are simple things that we can do at the state mm -hmm. level to change this whole area of, of, of affordable housing. That's an easy change, mm -hmm. and yet we cannot get that through the state legislature. We have expunged DUIs mm -hmm. in North Carolina, and we can't get eviction notices off people's records when they haven't <laughs> even been evicted. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that the state can do. Michael brings up the kinds of things that we have best taken for granted. Well, yes, this is the way you can do it. You know, like if you had a felony arrest, well, you can't get a rental unit. And that's something that stands in the way of us getting people back as a productive part of mm -hmm. our community. Um, and with the new um, federal legislation and prison reform, we're going to have a number, thousands of people coming back mm -hmm. to our communities mm -hmm. with felony mm -hmm. records. And if we say, well, you, you can't rent, what are we going to do with that mm -hmm. population that's coming here that we want them to be able to work and, and do things differently. We can't build our way out of this affordable housing mm -hmm. project, no matter how many millions we put in. As you said, even a billion, it probably would continue. We now have to start thinking going forward, what are those things that we've just generally accepted as the status quo that, you know, evictions, that we don't rent to people that are re-entering society, um, that every time you go and apply for an apartment, your credit check costs $25. Sure, and it's prohibitive. Yeah. And it's prohibitive yeah. from making We're, a better situation. I, I hate to cut you off, uh, Your Honor, uh, but we are literally out of time. Th uh, thank you yeah. for being so uh, public spoken about it and yeah. public leadership on it to all of you. Michael, nice thank to see you. you. Mayor Benjamin, glad to have you back on the here. program. Mm -hmm. Bricka, good to see you. Thank you. Uh, until next week, I'm Chris William. If you have any questions or comments, carolinabusinessreview.org. Have a nice weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.